welcome to another episode of Ponderings from the Perch. This is Priscilla McKinney, the mama bird here at Little Bird Marketing. And with me is one of my very, very best friends. I love having besties on the show, but I have amazing news. So pop the champagne, go ahead, pour yourself a couple of glasses. See, I'm not judgmental, just pour a few. It's fine. (laughs) But I am so excited to have Lisa Wilding Brown on the call because she has newly been named the CEO of Innovate MR. So Lisa, welcome back to Ponderings from the Perch. Thank you so much, Mama Bird. I'm so excited to be here. It's been a while since I've been on your podcast. I always love coming coming over and having a chat with you. So thanks again for having me on. Yeah, and um, the other full disclosure is that we really are besties. And so if we digress, we're just going to apologize right now because yes. we totally have each other's back in this industry. And that gives a good lead in for me about plugging uh, the free organization that is WIRE because Women in Research brought me and Lisa together and it has been a dynamic duo ever since. And you can find your uh, your dynamic duo in WIRE. I don't know which one of us is the sidekick. <laughs> are we a duo of two sidekicks? Because we both are jokers. <laughs> we are, we are. I am the Robin to your Batman. What oh, okay. I, <laughs> I don't think I'm even that serious. <laughs> we're going to be, we're going to be double Robins. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but we're cooler. We're cooler than Robins. So we need, oh, a, we yeah. need a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll never, I'll never forget when I first met you, it was at a, a wire exec retreat many years ago out in California and you walked in the room and it was like, everyone just turned and looked and it was like, who is this dynamic lady? <laughs> and I knew from that moment I had to be friends with you. I, I knew I needed to get to know you. Yeah. Well, there's also two other things we have in in common. And that is number one, the love of the maxi dress. I mean, who doesn't like a good maxi dress, right? And a love of fantastic boots. So this is going to be undying love, sis. (laughs) Yes, we do have an obsession with both of those items. Yes, I know. I know. But that's why I miss you at conferences, because I need to know what I'm supposed to be buying these days. (laughs) I don't have my fashion cues going on. And I'm tired of seeing you only from the neck up. (laughs) I know I look so flat right now. I actually am a multidimensional individual, you know, (laughs) I remember, Uh, I remember. (laughs) Okay. So let's dive into what happened at Innovate MR because frankly, I'm not surprised. And uh, the team has been doing some major changes and we're going to talk a lot about major changes, not just at Innovate MR, but also within this industry, because you have had a front row seat to some major shifts and what's been going on. And so we want really to give some clues to some people who maybe have had their heads down a little bit because of COVID and we understand that, but you know, it's time to pick your head back up and understand what is going on in the industry. What is shifting? Because if you're not paying attention right now, you will be left in the dust. And so this, this conversation is really going to be about, Hey, Lisa, you know, what's going on on so many issues, whether it's privacy or global initiatives or trends or changes in research teams. We're going to talk a little bit about all of those things, but let's start just a little bit with your story. What happened at Innovate MR and um, how do you see like your leadership making some shifts? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. So I mean, I've been with Innovate since the inception of the business. And um, I think that puts me in a really unique position since I literally was, I think myself and um, Amanda Keller Grill were the very first employees that came on board to the business back in 2014. And so in those early days, we were doing pretty much 
um, a, a number of different roles. Um, I came on to, to run our operations team, but we really didn't have anybody else besides Amanda and I. So, <laughs> it, you know, it was it was fielding projects, meeting with clients, going to conferences, you know, writing up invoices, <laughs> you know, um, just the, a multitude of different activities. And I think that is a really great foundation uh, because I really know the inner workings of our business. And I've been here as we've taken this journey of growth. We have over 150 innovators now. We are a global business based in Calabasas, California, but with an office in Connecticut, London, and two offices in India, one in Gurgaon and the other in Ahmedabad. So, you know, really 24-7 support um, business um, that really focuses on sampling and research technology as well as field services support for our clients. And so we work with, you know, small consultancies, medium to large market research agencies and brands and corporations as well. So it's been an awesome journey. But I think as you grow and scale and go from being a startup to a much larger organization, you have to think about how you're structured. And it just made the right sense for us as a business because we are getting so much bigger that it can be difficult to really streamline communication when you have, you know, three founders running the business. And so the the board made that decision uh, unanimously that I should be appointed as the chief executive officer. And when I was extended the offer, I was absolutely thrilled. I think it's a it's a, I mean, I, I, I think it's a great decision. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is uh, right now. And we're going with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, I've hit the ground running. It's officially two weeks from yesterday, um, that it was announced and the team and I have been working really closely together and doing our budget planning for 2022. And, um, we're really focused on a, a number of different initiatives. And so it's, it's a really exciting time to be part of this company. And I, I love this company. The people that I get to work with day in and day out are just incredible, you know, colleagues, incredible professionals and experts in their field, but also most importantly, they're just incredible human beings. And if you're going to go to work every day and spend hours and hours doing your gig, you got to like who you work with. It's so important. And I can honestly say I work with the best and brightest in this industry. I really do. I'm so fortunate. Well, I love that, but I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot of something that came out a while back. You busted me up laughing at the commercial that you put out (laughs) when you all launched Vision and the Vision suite of services for your clients. So I am going to attach it to the show notes so people can go watch this because I mean, if you want to roll on the floor laughing, it's great. And let me tell you, you did that inside the MR industry, which is not known for funny commercials. (laughs) So. Yeah, we try, to keep it, we try to keep it fun. You know, we certainly do serious um, videos and we do a lot of research on research, thought leadership in the industry on a number of different topics, but we just wanted to, you know, make it fun and memorable. And so I appreciate you tagging that, that little video. It was a lot of fun to, to make. Yeah, it, it's so great. So please go to the show notes and watch it. But let's let's switch gears a little bit because you and I recently talked about the SMR's buyer study that came out recently. And it is really a red flag to people in the industry saying, hey, some things are shifting, like it's notable. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about a few of those things that are shifting. We know that MR as an industry has been facing a lot of disruptors. There's been a lot of tech in the last decade. Um, and so 
that switch has had an effect in a lot of different areas from qual to quant and also the next thing of the blending of qual and quant together. So I know that's a big topic. But what I want to focus on with you is really a topic you and I talk a lot about and that I feel that you are really an expert in. And that is the democratization of research. What is going on here? What are end clients feeling and facing and how is that affecting the way they are actually structuring their research departments? So tell us about that. Yeah. Well, you know, um, earlier this year, we released um, our vision suite tool, which essentially is an end to end insights um, platform that allows clients to program their own surveys, pull sample from either our B2B or consumer panels, and also run customized reports, export data into PowerPoint, um, and also leverage the wide variety of different quality tools that we have and that we're known for in, in the industry. And the reason why, or the impetus for this release of Vision Suite was we, we really identified a pain point that exists in, in the industry. And that is that there's a multitude of, of clients across the entire ecosystem that are really uh, using a number of different platforms to get their research done. So the, the landscape is quite disparate, meaning they may go over to this platform to program the survey, and then they go to this marketplace or this other DIY platform to get sample. And, oh gosh, we're not feasible. So I've got to go to another platform to buy more sample. And then they may use another platform to handle the data analysis and reporting. And so that is not ideal right? And it can make you very prone to human error, right? I can't get the redirect set up in this platform and why isn't this working? And it can just lead to a lot of frustration and it can slow clients down. And it's all about speed. It's all about speed now. I mean, when I first started in the industry, it was very common for clients to wait eight to 12 weeks to get their data eight to 12 weeks. I mean, think about that. So much changes. Business, business does not work in eight to 12 weeks sprints anymore. You know, we are making decisions that are well within the same month of execution for sure. Yeah. I mean, even when I first started at Harris, we were doing tech releases like every few months and we thought we were superstars. Like, look at us. (laughs) We're able to release these sprints every three months. Like, wow. Whereas now there's companies that are running sprints every week um, and making significant changes to their technology. So it's just amazing how things have changed over the course of of the last 20 years. Right. But there is this, this trend of democratization and disintermediation that is becoming more and more blatant, more apparent in our space. And it's really fueled by that need for speed. And also I think a greater appreciation across any organization for information, right? Information, Data is powerful because it can translate to knowledge and to insight, which can drive major business decisions. And so, you know, we're not just seeing traditional insights professionals that are delivering data. We're seeing people coming from marketing, from product development, UX. I mean, more and more people within an organization across different functions are needing data to inform their decisions Oh, really- listen, you just dropped that nugget. I, I hope everybody really heard that because 
uh, from an outsider looking into this market research world, I would say 100%. So I'm just going to reiterate that. It's so important. Now marketers, you know, so here, you know, everybody in my role, agency world, now large agencies, of course, we're always getting market research. But now what you talk about that democratization of it, even small agencies, you know, web designers, small little niche things are looking for that. Even people who are just crafting messages are looking for that immediate testing, um, you know, creating packaging or even logo colors. And there's just so much there. But um, you bring up UX, which we know is just a burgeoning field. Um, But then the other piece of it is product development. And I do like the real nuance about what's happening with product development people is that they're getting closer to the research and closer to the, uh, the, the end user. And it's not being such a long, like R&D, you know, sprint where the person who originally created the concept is uninvolved by the time it goes to market. That's not happening anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's a major shift in just how we go about business in the world. And it is a very big shift in how companies globally go to market. So this bringing, you know, research closer to the actual task at hand within the organization is massive. I hope nobody missed that, that point that you're making. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's, it's much more agile, although I know that word is very overused in our space. So some listeners might be kind of rolling their eyes when they hear that word. So I apologize if I've put you off, but it is, it's all about being iterative and taking those learnings as you move through the process. And I think it's needed. Like, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but during the pandemic, I definitely subscribe to a lot of streaming services. I mean, it's, it's horrific, Priscilla. I have more, I mean, if my, my husband gives me so much hassle about it. He's like, oh, we've got another, another subscription to another streaming service. Lovely. And what I've noticed as I've essentially joined in on every streaming service is the, the UX needs some help in some cases. And I, as I'm navigating, (laughs) as I'm navigating, trying to find my shows, I'm like, Oh, they really, they really need to be doing some testing here and understand what the consumer is doing and what that journey looks like. But okay. While we're there, let me talk about one thing that drives me nuts. See if this drives me nuts. I just, I pay for this service and this service and this service. And then it feels like whenever I get on this, on this um, streaming service, all it shows me is this the stuff I haven't bought yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I like, know. wait, can you show me the stuff I bought? Because I've got like six different services. <laughs> <laughs> it drives me crazy. Yep. <laughs> so. No, it's good to know I'm not alone on that. Um, I mean, I know what they're doing there. They're trying to, you know, upsell you and get you to buy more. And you're probably, you're probably falling for it in some cases, Priscilla. But no, <laughs> you and me convenience. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, I think what, what's really, what's really interesting to me is we sort of have these observations in the industry and then also as just, in, you know, individual consumers as well. But when you start, you know, seeing literature and data that's being provided to the industry and, and you can see it in black and white and it's really reinforcing what you're observing. I love that. I love being able to reinforce things that I observe with, with data. I mean, maybe that's the researcher in me. And so when the SMR buyer study came out, I, I found that report to be just fascinating. Um, and, you know, obviously I'm very biased as an SMR council member, uh, but I think if anyone out there has not seen that report yet, you know, go to this, go to our, our site over at SMR and, and take a peek at it because there's some really interesting findings. For me, the first one is that um, 48% of buyers indicated that, uh, or sorry, uh, buyers indicated that 48% of their research is being conducted internally using platforms 
Um, and I think that that's really interesting. And, and, and also it's up from 40% last year. So it's, it's trending up. And then over half of those people that indicated their work was being done internally said that they expect that to increase. So what that means is that insights professionals are being tasked to, to do more research. Um, sometimes their budget's increasing, sometimes it's not, but they're taking on more of those pieces internally than they had done historically. So when I first started in the industry, the workflow from the brands to the MR agencies to then other suppliers and vendors was very established and predictable. Whereas now what I'm observing is brands are coming to smaller tech companies, going straight to sample providers. They're really taking a more autonomous and more independent um, role and, and really working directly with more and more companies than they had historically. And so that's really exciting and it helps to reinforce the strategy that we have here at Innovate. I mean, obviously we have a lot of clients that come to us for a more managed services um, type of scenario where we'll host and, and program the survey for them. We'll deploy sample from our panels into the survey and then handle those backend deliverables for them. But then we have other clients that are using our platform, the vision suite to really do, do those pieces on their own um, independently without much intervention from us. So I think that's a major trend that we're going to continue to see increase through throughout the years. Well, I think one thing that you're saying is that there's no one way of doing things anymore. This, this idea that there is one way of going about research is dead, right? And so we've seen it many times, the kind of the revolving door of insource it, outsource it, insource it, outsource it. And now people like to say, look, it's a blend and it's here to stay. It's not a dichotomy. There are some things that we might need a little bit more help with and might go a little bit more traditional route, but they are learning that they need to have these skill sets on their internal teams in order to be able to get some of these rapid responses. So I think what's interesting about Innovate MR is that they can use that self-serve, they can have that DIY, but then when they do need that extra help, they can get that managed service and uh, take it up a step. But you're not saying, look, pick one or the other. Exactly. I think those two channels can absolutely coexist and and aren't necessarily going to cannibalize from one another. I think the type of research that you do independently using tools like vision is very different than say, you know, a full-scale conjoint or segmentation study that you've been running for a, a multitude of years. Like those two things can live independently from each other. And, you know, the good news is that companies have options and they can try different solutions for different problems or questions that they're trying to get answers for. And then they can go down that more traditional path for more complex, more rigorous design. Um, so I, I, I think that both, both channels can absolutely coexist together. Well, let's back up for just one minute to give some value to people that, okay, let's, let's not talk necessarily about Innovate MR, but you are on the SMR council, as you, as you mentioned. And so the big picture of what's going on in this industry, we mentioned that, you know, the tech, everybody is interested in how do I apply tech? Obviously I teach digital transformation across the globe. And so it's not just like, oh, throw tech on it. Like that, that doesn't solve anything. We need, we need very thoughtful way of approaching our problems by using, um, you know, technology in a way that where we can actually then get the humans to do the more high level thing, right? So it's a very thoughtful application. But tell me about what you learned through SMR and through the buyer's guide about the total addressable market that's going on. And we alluded it to it a little bit in that there's a gatekeeper change that other people are using research, but give, give everybody like that big view of the yeah. market. 
Well, I mean, the good news is that the insight space is growing. I mean, uh, you know, according to SMR, the TAM for, for insights is $90 billion. Like let that set in Priscilla. How exciting is that? <laughs> yeah. Wait, do we, do we need to pop some more champagne? <laughs> <laughs> it's too early for champagne. Unless you have a mimosa what? over there, I can't see. I always have mimosas. I just pulled the orange juice. <laughs> See, we've already digressed. Anyway, yeah. total addressable market. Go. Yeah. Let's talk TAM. Yeah. Um, $90 billion. And then 47 billion of that is via tech enabled um, insights. So that's really, really so exciting to me. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember back in the early 2000s when I told people I worked in the market research industry, I kind of felt like, I don't know. The response I got wasn't as exciting as I wanted it to be. It was sort of, I think that people automatically thought I was like that, that person in the mall with a clipboard chasing down people for, for interviews. I mean, research and insights is so much more than that. And there's just such an insatiable appetite for information, for data. And I think that that was further accelerated by the pandemic. You know, I remember talking to you in the, the early weeks of the pandemic, and I think pre- pretty much everyone was freaking out. We were all like, what's going to happen? Uh, but then, you know, the dust sort of settled and it became very evident that consumer behavior was changing at a dramatic clip. And when things change, you need to measure. And so it actually turned out to be a really great year for the business. And I know other people, um, saw growth as well. And so we're just seeing more and more of that, this need to measure and understand and get closer to the consumer. Um, so it's, it's an exciting time to be part of this industry. I know, you know, this Priscilla, uh, but we, I mean, we work in the best industry with the best people. I've just met so many wonderful human beings in this industry. And I just feel like now versus 10, 15 years ago, uh, I, I don't feel that reaction when I tell people what I, what I do for a living. I think people are like, yeah, data. Yeah. Data is a new oil. Like everyone loves data. So I think people get it and understand the value of insights and how it can really impact business performance. And so it's just, it's great. Right. I do think the biggest thing that we can all agree on is that we know that the consumer is in charge now. And I don't think people were okay with admitting that for a long time. And once they admitted that, then they know, okay, so then therefore I need data, you know, because even as an agency, you know, people come to me and I, you know, say I was creating like a big TV insertion order. They're like, oh yeah, don't place it on that show. I don't watch that show. Nobody watched that show. I'm like, well, let me look at the data. Let me tell you how many people watch this show, you know? And it's like, well, if you want, you know, if you want business owners, let me tell you exactly what show they're watching. I can tell you this. And so instead of making these whimsical decisions based on what I happen to like and what I don't happen to like, those are horrible, horrible ways to go about building a business. And certainly a great way to waste your marketing dollars. Yep. (laughs) Absolutely. Let data be your guide. Let data be your guide. Yeah, for sure. And I think what you're saying too, it's let data be your guide, but I love what you're, you're talking about here is I think the industry is completely tapped into the necessary empathy in order to apply the data correctly. Right. And I think that's the interesting blend. I mean, I'm an anthropologist by trade, you know, you're a researcher by trade. We have these things that these are social scientists, there's science about humans, right? And I think that there has been a final shift in the industry where people really are able to own that and bring that to the forefront. And so it's not this, again, a dichotomy of 
data or feelings. No, it's, it's about the humanity of it all right in the middle and how people want to live a life and how they want to carve out their daily existence. For example, you and I, we don't want to see things on our streaming that we haven't purchased yet, you know? And so that, you know, there has to be a way of going about business to do that, that is empathetic to us as a paying customer. So we don't get finally pissed and then just leave the system, right? Mm-hmm. Because in that way, then we do dictate the future for streaming services because we will do it finally in mass. Right. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember, um, gosh, I don't even know how many years ago it was. Let's see, probably, probably 10 or 12 years ago. I don't know, but I've never actually owned a TV since I was 17. Like that was actually put into like any kind of like <laughs> any service, right. Any <laughs> like normal network. Right. And I remember, and I own a marketing agency. I'm selling TV. Right. And I remember being at a lunch with executives about 10 or 11 years ago. And I said something about streaming and I was like, well, you know, we, we just use Netflix, you know, and they were like, oh yeah, but you're an anomaly. I mean, no, everybody, everybody's watching TV and cable. I mean, you're just a weirdo. And I'm like, dun, 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 <laughs> no longer a weirdo. <laughs> well, I'm weirdo, but not, not because of the streaming services. <laughs> so I think that's so interesting. Like we have to be so much more pliable about our understanding of human behavior and how it's impacting um, business. And I think to your point at the beginning, we realized it was starting to happen at a much faster clip than it ever has happened before. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I couldn't say it better, Priscilla. Honestly, I think so much has changed, and the consumer is absolutely in the driver's seat. And you know, for companies to not only survive but thrive, they need to be communicating with the consumer more frequently at a more steady cadence, and doing that. You know, doing more of that iterative learning. It's it's absolutely key. Okay, so let's end with this because we've established you are a badass, and now you are the CEO of Innovate MR, and so. I know that you give so much into your volunteer time with SMR. You're at so many other conferences. Obviously, you give tons into women in research and are on serve on women in research executive with me. And so I know that you have a heart for not just women in industry, but, but people coming up in the industry. So what advice would you give to some younger people having heard that, you know, look, you started from the bottom and you like did every single job there ever was, but here you are a CEO. So is there something you could offer to people who maybe aren't, um, you know, as far along in their career in, in insights right now? Yeah, I actually just had a great um, discussion yesterday with a, a young woman that's just starting out in the industry. And she asked me the, the very same question. And I talked a lot about WIRE because for me, WIRE has been such a home for, for so many of us for, for such a long time now. And this incredible tribe of, of women and men, because yes, men can join WIRE as well. Um, that are just super supportive and are always looking for opportunities to help each other, right? Hashtag always be helping. And I got the t-shirt. I need to get that on this week and take a picture for you. Yeah, you do. Homework. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, You know, but when I first met up with the Wire Exec group, it became very clear to me very early on that I was just surrounded by absolute badasses, like people that are just top of their fields and so motivated, so ambitious. And the common theme that I observed in all of them and in myself, to be honest, is that we are creating those opportunities for ourselves. We're not waiting for someone to give us that chance. We are really the authors of our destiny. And, and what I had recommended to this 
young lady yesterday is just, you know, find ways to get involved. Even if you don't see the ROI immediately, find ways to, to put yourself out there and really make meaningful connections with people in the industry that are authentic, that you are truly invested in as a person. Um, so that's number one is, you know, we're going to be here in this industry and you're going to spend your career for a number of years working here, get to know people. It just makes sense and you'll have more fun. And you'll find that those people can be amazing opportunities of hope and support when you need it. And you in turn can be that for them, right? Because it is that two-way street. And I, I listened to your lunch talk with um, Jamin and, and the rest of the crew there earlier this week. And, and that was very much a theme that you shared was that there's going to be times where you need help. And then there's going to be times where you can help others. You, you sort of fit both categories as a person. Uh, all of us do. And so I think that's, that's incredibly important, but I think if there's opportunities to get yourself involved and, and lend your perspective and, and don't be in, intimidated to, to get up and, and speak at conferences, maybe you start off by being that person in the crowd that raises their hand and asks for the microphone. It's scary the first time you do that. Right. And then maybe the next time you submit a paper to, to present um, and, and be prepared to be shut down a lot in the early days of that. And even now I still submit to speak at shows and conferences and get told, sorry, it didn't, it didn't pass the cut. Like you're, you're, you're not going to be in the agenda and that's okay. Right. You can't be everything for everyone, but you just keep at it. And I think something does change once you get past that fear of public speaking and so many people have it. And that's really what I was chatting about with this young professional uh, is that she, she has a voice and she wants to share her perspective, but she's feeling, you know, that either she doesn't have the agency to do it at this stage in her career, uh, or she just feels, I think, anxious and, and, and afraid to get up on, on stage. And it's, it's funny. I've been very open with, with people. And, and Kristen has as well. Kristen Luck has, has shared that, that, you know, it's uncomfortable to get up on stage. If you're, if your heart isn't pumping a little bit and your palms aren't a little bit sweaty, the minute before you go up there, or you, you, you hit, you hit a broadcast on your webinar and you see hundreds of people that are on the other side of that. If your heart's not pumping, there's something wrong with you. And you just have to harness that fear and recognize that's a normal physiological reaction when the stakes uh, are high in your mind and harness that energy and that excitement to deliver a great presentation. Mm -hmm. Um, but get beyond your fear, put yourself out there because amazing things happen when you do stuff that just scares the living hell out of yourself. (laughs) It really, when you stretch outside that comfort zone, you surprise yourself in a, in like a really delightful way. So I would just encourage people to, to put themselves out there, take that risk and harness that fear and know that that fear is normal and you will be able to get beyond it. Right. And you're not right. alone. We all feel that I, You know, I just love that you said that's like when the stakes are high, that's how you feel. But you know, do you want to live a life where the stakes were never high? <laughs> you know, because that's when the good stuff happens. And, and, you know, we, we, we lo- do take that opportunity for ourselves and you and I and Kristen have talked about this a lot. You know, we do want a lot more women represented on the stage, but the three of us also know we've asked a lot of women to get up and they've turned us down. Like we, we've really tried to bring this equitable view, you know, on the stage and whether that's people of color, you know, or whether that's women um, or even just divergent voices. I, I don't care if you're white and you got a divergent, but great. 
conversation. I just want to have more voices at the table. I want more opinions, you know? And so when those people turn us down though, it keeps us from being able to hear these amazing voices. And so it, it, it really is, you know, it cuts both ways, but yeah, let the stakes be high because sometimes they are. And you know what? You and I, I guarantee you, <laughs> I'm not seeing you do this, but I know the trajectory of our career and I know you and I have gone up and flopped before. Yeah, absolutely. So, it happens. It's fine. <laughs> You're, it I'm alive. It happens. I remember very early in my career, I, start, I joined the panel team at Harris. I had originally been a project manager when I first got into the field. And then about a year and a half after being a project manager, I, I loved that, but it was, a, I mean, it was a great place to sort of learn the ins and outs of how research gets done. And at the time it was sort of this new online methodology. It was really a new emerging methodology that I was trying to, you know, help clients migrate some of their offline research to the online world. And when I joined the panel team, I remember my, my boss at the time, I went into his office and he was like a real fast talker and, and, you know, high energy, great guy. And he said, uh, I need you to go down to New York City and and present on specialty panels to about 50 researchers down there. And literally, Priscilla, I'd only been doing that job for about a week. So I was not qualified. I lacked the agency to go down into the lion's den. But off I went to New York because, <laughs> you know, I don't say no, I say yes. And I went down there and at that time, the researchers were kind of frustrated with some of the specialty panels. And that was really why I came on board was to help build that out and be able to find more niche audiences so that we could do more research online and not have to always go offline for it. So my whole role was to sort of kind of improve some of the issues that those researchers were, were facing. So they were angry. They were very angry. <laughs> and I remember getting I up so and bad for you even right now. <laughs> I know. I feel bad for me too, but I didn't know all the context of this. So I went in thinking, okay, it's intimidating. You know, I'm in my early twenties. I've only done this job for a week and here I am in New York city presenting to a crowd of really highly tenured uh, research professionals that were 20, 30 plus years in the field. I was scared. Also, you did all this before the maxi dress. So I'm like, kudos to you. (laughs) I don't know. My fashion probably wasn't very good back then, you know, I was still sort of hanging on to some of that nineties. It was the right, early right. 2000s, but I was still <laughs> hanging on to the nineties a little bit All right. um, with my fashion choices. So yeah, I went down there and got up on, on stage and started presenting to them and God, they ate me alive. I could feel the hives burning up into my neck and up to under like my ears. I could literally feel it. And I was thinking to myself, you know, you have the internal dialogue. Yes. <laughs> as I'm hearing words come out of my mouth, the inner thoughts going on were, they hate you. <laughs> <laughs> this stuff is real. I'm sorry. It really is. This is real. It's so real. And so, you know, it wasn't a great, it wasn't a great session, <laughs> but I, I learned- don't know if you heard the good news, but it didn't go well. <laughs> didn't go well. But you know what? Some of the angriest researchers in that crowd actually became really wonderful colleagues and friends that I still keep in touch with today. Um, Many have retired um, because they were so much older and more experienced than me. And I was so intimidated, Um, but we, we worked on it and, you know, it was an experience and I learned from it. I think we all have, we all have those experiences. You, You have to start from somewhere and then you just build 
you build upon it and you get better and better. Well, this is our plug. You've heard it from Lisa and I. You want a friend like, you know, like me or Lisa, then you need to join Wire. Oh, P.S. It's free. So <laughs> go to womeninresearch.org. Yes, it's available to men and women. It's just about supporting, uh, you know, women in research and making sure that we do help each other carve out these kinds of roles to become, hey, the new CEO in town. <laughs> I love it. So um, make sure you connect with Lisa Wilding Brown. I'm just going to spell it for you. It's pretty simple, but but um, because it's a long one, Lisa, L-I-S-A, Wilding, W-I-L-D-I-N-G, hyphen Brown, B-R-O-W-N. So go check her out online. She's great uh, to connect with on LinkedIn. She always writes back. So, and I know that, you know, she's had so many people pour into her career. And so I feel that same way. And this is why Lisa and I are very quick to pour into other people. So please, you know, be bold and ask us for things, but make sure that you join WIRE. So Lisa, thank you so much for coming on Ponderings and really kind of celebrating this cool thing. This is, this is a win for us all. Yeah, always a pleasure, Priscilla, if I get any time with you. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in November. And thanks again for having me on the show. Yeah, and let me say uh, thank you also to Innovate MR for sponsoring uh, Insights Marketing Day. Uh, This is another way that you guys give back to the community. So we'll see some of you all at Insights Marketing Day. And of course, it's just like, it's one of those things where it's, you know, you're even giving to your competitors, right? You're saying, hey, this is an important industry. We're willing to fork over some money so that we all can all stop for a day and think about how we proceed in business. So we really appreciate you doing that. And it just shows the kind of uh, values and, and the character that you have and how you're going to lead Innovate MR into bigger and better things. So I love you much. <laughs> love you too, Priscilla. <laughs> From all of the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.